0: Hey guys, it's Chad and Helder, UFC Bantamweight, and you're listening to me on the Pro Sports Podcasters. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind.
1: It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters, with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world, covering every sport, from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We have something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the
0: media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the Pro Sports Podcasters. My name is Kubergeron. You know me as Kobe. And today we're talking with someone who's a little bit behind the scenes in the world of MMA. His name is John Foster. He's co-owner of Fight League Atlantic. And this is an MMA promotion out of Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, I believe. And we're going to go over really what it takes to start a MMA promotion and what's involved in running one. John, how you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me, man. Glad to have you on, buddy. Glad to have you on. So let's let's go right to the beginning. How did FLA start?
1: I guess you know, back in the day, me and Derek both ran uh jitsu tournaments, not together separately, but uh in Nova Scotia. We we both live in Nova Scotia. We do operate out of New Brunswick and Nova Scotia, uh with the majority of our shows being in New Brunswick. But uh we were both doing tournaments here in Nova Scotia and uh You know we would collaborate but we didn't we didn't uh you know he ran his tournaments i ran mine he did uh submission series pro uh, the grappling show for you know i don't know how many of those did probably 30. so he had a background in that production and the pay-per-view and and putting those together so when we decided to get out of uh grappling competitions we decided together to team up and and start fight league atlantic and, and venture into mma uh which at the time was was just completely stagnant, basically. Here on the East Coast, there was no one really doing much uh, outside of a little bit New Brunswick. And, and nobody's nobody's picked it up there since. So we've been uh, filling that void and building the scene out right here on the East Coast again. And uh, yeah, it, it's going well. We got through, I mean, we started uh, uh, or did our first show and then COVID hit a couple of weeks after that. And then we, we had that whole thing for a couple of years. But we had a great 2022 and 2023 is going really well so
0: far as well. So brass tax, are you making money?
1: Uh yeah, this year we're we're doing it. Yeah, we're making a little bit of money. We're mov- we're moving things ahead, you know what I mean? It's uh I'll tell you right now, the the fight game is it's tough. I mean, there's a reason that a lot of people fail at it. You know, there's a reason most of the major promotions in the world lose money every year. Yeah. You know, because the margins are are fairly thin, especially at our stage and it's it's just very expensive right so unless you have deep pockets you can't make a lot of mistakes in this business we've been fortunate enough that with our past experience and and you know with the, the planning and preparation the organization and, and everything we put into our shows we've uh we've been fortunate enough to have a following that's that's kept us moving the thing forward and uh you know during covid that was uh you know we went back and did four grappling shows the the Kumite right and we were able to just keep things going because you know we were essentially being drained just on uh, the cost of running the business, you know trying to put shows together and there'd be costs and then the show would get canceled and you know you have to pay your accountants and everyone else so it, you know it was during that time we went back and reverted to that and struggled through it and and uh, yeah now as of as of last year we finally were able to to make some progress right and and you know to be completely honest with you, we're putting everything back into the company right now. And will for for some time, right? Like uh, we're we're happy we can pay the people that help us now. You know, because a lot of these guys uh, honestly started off and they would just come out for the weekend and lend their time, and you know maybe get a t shirt or the deal or whatever. Yeah, happy to do it. And and because of those guys being the way they are, you know now it's awesome for us to be able to give them. You know when they do come out again now, uh, they're all awesome at their job for one because we've all done a dozen shows together, and uh, you know they make a little bit and. and yeah it's great man it's growing right so
0: now would you say through your efforts that mma in the east coast of canada is growing
1: 100 percent, and we've we've seen the evidence and and you know we've had gym gym owners and coaches tell us you know like if there's been an uptick at their school because guys want to fight you know and fight league atlantic and and when we started we're we're going into our ninth show You know, it was like everyone was zero fights, one fight, two fights. You know, we had some pros that we brought in that had more fights than that. But the majority of our fighters were just starting out. And now we're starting to see the people that have been fighting with us, you know, all along. They got three or four amateur fights, and now they're turning pro. On this card coming up next weekend, three amateurs that came up through Fight League uh, and obviously did very well are making their pro debut, right? So things like that are just awesome to see another guy that's on the card is doing a second pro fight after running through the amateurs of fight league, uh, Cam Nelson. And, you know, we're starting to see some real talent come out of the Maritimes and, and, that talent's been competitive with talent we've brought in from all over the place. You know, we've, we've had, uh, our primary, you know, it's, it's a couple guys from Newfoundland, a ton of fighters from PEI, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick. And we've brought people in from all over Canada, everyone's done super well. Like the East Coast holds up against everybody. This card now is the first time we're bringing fighters in from the US and Mexico as well. So, you know, a little bit more experience and uh, and a deeper talent pool. So, it's it's growing and, and the the development that these athletes are able to to go through now. I mean, it's the only way they're ever going to have careers as a fighters and what was happening is cuz it was so stagnant for so long and then COVID happened, fighters were sitting on the shelf for years and years. And I mean, imagine if you're, you know, Professional baseball player, and you just get to practice, you know, all the time. You never get to compete. It's disheartening, right? What's the point? That's right So, a lot of guys, right? Yeah, you know, guys were taking breaks and, and, and things like that. So, you know, everyone, everyone seems to be back in the swing of things now. And everyone, everyone needs, you know, some time when they come back to get back in the swing of it. But we're past that now, and we're really starting to gain some momentum. And, and you know, like we we booked six shows this year, we've got six booked next year. Um, we're moving into twenty twenty five already with our bookings. So. There's there's a lot of opportunities for guys to build amateur careers and then then turn pro, you know, with us, fight professional, we bring people in, you know, for everyone on the East Coast. And then, you know, hopefully the the goal is, and I'm sure in the next couple of years, we're going to start to see it happen, is the East Coast talent that's, you know, been developed through through these opportunities starts getting called up, right? They go, Mm -hmm. start going to bigger promotions. And that's really the goal for us is to be a feeder promotion for the larger promotions.
0: Okay, and you said this next card is the first card that has international fighters on it, correct? That's right, yeah. Now, does that add a layer of difficulty on the administrative side of things, or is it relatively easy?
1: You know what, it was relatively easy only because we had help, you know what I mean? We We have relationships with other promoters that were like this and this. You know, um, the, the commission we work with, <clears throat> especially in New Brunswick, um, with Danny Legere, you know, he he's very helpful um, with getting medical guys, medical license and that um, the Nova Scotia Commission, they've, they've dealt with it before. So things that are new to us, it, I got to say, it wasn't it wasn't too bad. It was uh, it's one of those things you're kind of like, all right, you know, like we're getting into different things with taxes and, you know, medicals and, and all these, you know, there are all these variables that I'm sure you can imagine. But, yeah, fortunately, it wasn't it wasn't a big deal because of uh, everyone else just knew what to do. <laughs>
0: Now, this is just just my opinion from what I've sort of witnessed lately, but it appears as though grappling is seeing a resurgence or a, a growth, yeah. actually, uh, yeah. as far as rolling goes with jiu-jitsu, because mm-hmm. I feel uh, grappling isn't properly represented in mixed martial arts to a certain extent. In quite a lot of cases, it's used to stall or negate other opponents' skill sets. Are you going to be holding any grappling events as part of FLA or No.
1: I mean, we did we did the four kumites during COVID essentially because we just couldn't do MMA shows. Okay, you know the the MMA has more upside potential as a business, but with like that being said, I can't take it off the table. Like uh, we could very well do more grappling shows down the road. We don't have anything scheduled currently, but it is growing, and and it's another thing. Like the kumites we did, we found were really good for. Are fighters because a lot of the people that, that competed in that are also MMA fighters. So then when we're starting to promote their first fight as an MMA fighter, it's like, oh, so and so, they won the Kumite or so and so. Like that held a lot of weight in the local community, especially. And they see them compete a couple of times on, on the pay per view or whatever. And then they know who they are going into the cage for the first time. So it's almost like, you know, it's almost like an MMA fight as far as exposure, uh, especially like hometown crowd, right? So mm-hmm. it like costs a lot less to put on. And, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, so I don't know. We'll see. It, it's quite possible.
0: Now, what kind of venues are you using to hold these events in?
1: So the Moncton Coliseum is the one we use most often. Uh, and that's, that's a large arena up in Moncton. We do a half arena size there. Um, uh, but most of it's, uh, smaller ranks, you know, thousand, 1200 seats maxed out. And, uh, and that seems to be good for us. We've got a, a, you know, a decent little circuit. Like next week will be the first week or first time we've ever been in Windsor, Nova Scotia, in the Annapolis Valley, which is where I live. So, you know, obviously been pushing to, to do one here in the backyard. It's a brand new arena complex they put together during COVID, actually. This is the first big event they're going to do there. Smaller, but just a beautiful brand new arena. And then, uh, yeah, we move around. We do Picto up in the, up, you know, up towards Cape Breton here in Nova Scotia on the way to Cape Breton, I should say it's a, it's a lot, lot further (laughs) to Cape (laughs) Breton, but, uh, you know, and then, and then Moncton and Sackville up in New Brunswick is is basically what we've been hitting so far. So yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, the Coliseum's a big one. It's, it's multiple times bigger than that. I think altogether, if we really open the whole thing up, it's something like 6,000, but we break it down to about a a 1500 seat setup. So.
0: Okay. And you, and you can sell that out.
1: Yeah, that's where we can sell out. So that's how we're running it for now. And then we do a pay per view as well. Like we have all that in house production as well. We have actually an awesome production team, and our pay per view, it really, it, you know, it looks good. It's a, it's a good good show. So we're always producing two shows: the online show and the live show. We bring an awesome commentator up from Las Vegas, John Morgan, and uh, he's on there with Chris Kalady's on the mic. Chris Kalady's was a, a UFC vet from Nova Scotia, so a local guy, UFC. World Series of Fighting champ, uh, Bellator. I mean, he fought all over. So good guys on the mic and, and great production all around. So the online show actually is uh, is pretty killer. So we we you know we we run both simultaneously and and do growth projection for both. Is you know we're focused on equally. I guess you'd say.
0: Okay, and when it comes to like signing fighters or actually matchmaking your different cards, I know generally speaking, with a lot of smaller promotions. Uh, one of the things that stands out and gets a, a fighter noticed, honestly, is ability to, to sell tickets, right? Is that is yeah, that something that you true. are looking for from your fighter or is it something that you guys hire and, you know, handle entirely?
1: No, I mean, it's not the only thing we look, you know, we don't specifically need a fighter to be a ticket mover to be on our card if they're a good fighter and they fight well, you know, and especially in the amateur ranks, like we try to give everyone at least a chance. And then, you know, sometimes sometimes a guy you know, has such experience, blah, 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 blah. Maybe he's a blue belt and his coach pouches for him and this and that. And he gets in there and, you know, it just doesn't work out. It's not, uh, it's not going to happen, but you know, I don't want to ramble too much here. Sorry, man. But yeah, I mean, it matters, but it's not imperative. Like if we need guys that move tickets, like those are the guys that we're going to want to get back over and over again, because without tickets selling, it doesn't happen. You know what I mean? Like, nope, You just lost your house. No more FLA. Right. Yeah. So it's uh it's definitely important. And those guys, you know, the guys that move tickets, they can negotiate better deals and things like that as well. So there is, there is definitely a benefit to being a popular fighter that, that sells tickets. Cause that's, that is the name of the game uh, in the end, right? Like we're trying to produce these shows and do all this, but it, it costs a lot and, and that's how we make it happen. So,
0: yeah. I mean, and to a certain extent, at least in my opinion, if you, don't have the ability to promote yourself and sell tickets. You're not going to succeed in MMA. You'd have to be a hundred percent, unbelievably level, gifted. Yeah. <laughs> right? No, you're you're exactly right. You've
1: either got to be one of two things in MMA: you just win, 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 win. Yeah. Or you win most of the time and you're very entertaining. And and those are the guys that are going to do. I mean, we've historically seen be more successful in the sport if you look at it as from a standpoint of you know making money it's that simple you know if if people want to see you fight it's it's going to work
0: out better for everybody (laughs) so you've done you've done 12 shows right
1: we did eight mma shows four kumites, so now we're going into our ninth mma show next week
0: okay so out of those shows any particular fighters that have really stood out to you
1: a ton actually you know there's some great talent and like i mean just for example the ones that are are going pro and the ones that have uh you know on our, our card next weekend guys like cam nelson at pi going into a second pro fight uh drake farrell two-time kumite champion amateur advanced champion uh in mma he's going pro pro debut he's finding a guy matt mcdonald who's just super exciting i had a bunch of amateur fights with us and he's going into his second pro fight marie clinton undefeated amateur pro debut abdella abdellaziz he's uh
0: i know him but i know i know who that is by the way yeah
1: yeah man that guy like you know, you say grappling Jews to stall. I disagree because most of the time, when a grappler gets a hold of somebody, they get finished. I mean, yeah, there's the guys that hit the ground and they just do not do enough to push the finish, hundred yeah. percent. And yeah, like there's the guys that just grind on the cage and this and that. But I think when it comes to like high level jujitsu, the finishes happen a lot. When it's high level wrestling, maybe it's more of a control thing, right? Mm-hmm. But anyway, we can go into that. But yeah, like <laughs> that's just. <it. laughs> Dylan Shepard, this kid coming up is just phenomenal. There's just so many good athletes, man. And, and, you know, I could keep naming fighters that we've seen fight and impressed us for a while. You know, there's just a pile of them. And, yeah, I mean, you know, Christian Savoie for us. He's a, he's a big name on, on the Canadian scene. He'll be back. John Moore, who fought Matt McDonald, an awesome fight. He's coming back. You know, Dorian Dokai, he fought Christian recently. This guy's, you know – Justin Condy, he fought for us last time. Like, there's there's some real talent that, that we've seen, and I suspect a lot of these guys you're going to start seeing in the bigger leagues down the road. Yeah, and, and that's eight shows in, man. Like, we see this, you know, when we get to 100 shows, you know, things like that. Like, that's what we're talking yeah. about.
0: Now, currently you're, you're fighter stable, basically. Is it drawing from just a couple of specific gyms in the area, or how many MMA kind of like teams are you drawing from
1: 50 like it's, it's a ton like we've got a lot of schools on the east coast now there's there's a lot more than people would think really there is definitely a few that we draw a lot of fighters from okay right like uh, you know the Hensel gracie pei they've been super successful in pei you know that's where maria and cam are out of among many other fighters dylan shepherd all those guys uh and tower one out of dartmouth under gavin tucker they've got a ton of guys that's where drake farrell's out of Saint Croix, jake kelly you know abdallah Delaziz. like that list goes on and on and on as well but then you know like evolution of Fredericton and synergy and, and all over like you know i could name a ton so we draw from i don't know how many gyms on the east coast at least 30 i'd say you know, if I include Newfoundland, but then we go across country and then, you know, going in the States, like it's crazy. I, I remember when, you know, there was only a handful of gyms on the East coast mm-hmm. and now there's literally probably 50 just in the Maritimes. So it's, it's exploded.
0: Now, are, are you and Derek still active or no? Oh yeah. We're both black belts.
1: We still train regularly. I have my own school, I buy mixed martial arts. So one of my fighters is actually competing on this card next weekend so i'll be i'll be cornering as well but charlene barkhouse is my fighter uh she's fighting miranda ferreira um coming up out of massachusetts so both these ladies have a lot of hype behind them and uh yeah the winner is going to come out of that and, and move their career ahead a decent step i think absolutely so yeah still training all the time i still i still aspire with all my students i just don't uh don't compete anymore and then derek's up there doing the same thing with his team um you know, he still grapples all the time. He's he's grappling with Jared McIntosh and those guys and getting them ready for tournaments. So we're, uh, we're literally in, in all of it all the time.
0: <laughs> no, that's awesome. Yeah. Man. That That's awesome. Yeah. It's a little more hands-on than in a lot of situations like that. So that's, that's yeah. Kind of, and you kind of know what,
1: cool. like, I really think that being involved in it and working with the fighters and, you know, I used to fight myself a bunch as an amateur years ago and stuff like that, but it, it just gives you that that perspective like you've got to understand what this guy's going through when he's doing a weight cut and you got to understand why this guy's asking you for this this and this or whatever right like you just to to have been on all sides of been been a coach and been a fighter and, <clears throat> and all that and, and to have trained for so many years yeah you just you need that insight into what these guys are thinking and i think as a result like me and derek have great relationships with these fighters and these teams and mm-hmm. when we all get together on our cards we you know hey man good to see you you know and it, and it's always awesome to go back and shake hands and, and and see everybody and say hey so it's it's a good time it's it's a massive community right and it's such a subculture too fighting is right like it's really like uh you know the fight games just you know, yeah it's a very unique subculture i would say you know, everyone's goal is to be as good of an athlete and a fighter as you possibly can so you can beat up the other team's guy as fast <laughs> as you can, taking a little, you know, as less damage as possible. Then everyone shakes hands and hugs and see you the next one, bro. You know, it's, uh, it's just amazing.
0: Yeah, I'd say like the worldwide recognition, it's quite, quite large now. I think most people mm-hmm. understand MMA, they know of MMA, but the actual people involved, it's still quite a small club right it's it's
1: oh it is yeah it is you're absolutely right like fast growing sport in the world you know you talk to any like whenever anyone asks me i'm talking about jujitsu. jitsu and then what's jujitsu? i say well you ever watch mma yeah i said well whenever they're on the ground it's jujitsu. jitsu <laughs> <laughs> <That's laughs> right? right and that usually gets the point across <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> bet US sportsbook is your ultimate destination for online betting with sports betting live betting racebook online slots, and online casino. It's available across the U.S. and Canada. Use the code PSP to receive a massive sign-up bonus. How much do you guys charge for a pay-per-view? 40 bucks. And where does someone go to order it?
1: FightleagueAtlantic.com. And you know the buy pay-per-view link will be up. We usually put it up
0: the Monday fight week. Okay, and then when do your events begin? 7 p.m. A.S.T. On On, on a what? On what? Like on a Saturday, on a Friday?
1: Oh, Saturday. Sorry, yeah. All our shows are on uh, Saturday, at seven PM. Yeah. <laughs> <Good> okay. <question. laughs> okay. They're
0: Saturday shows. All right. No, that's good. It's, it's an early oh, man, enough start. It's
1: very legitimate. I was like, yeah, yeah. It starts, <laughs> at <seven. laughs> starts at seven. Starts at seven our time, Halifax time, like Atlantic time, and uh, and then um, yeah, usually down around ten, ten thirty, something like that. Um, it's a good three hours of packed entertainment. That's for sure
0: no i mean outside of turning a profit you said your goal is to eventually get to the point where you're a feeder league for some of these large organizations exactly when you say large organizations are you talking about the top two organizations or are you talking about something like a like an lfa or you know both
1: you know what i mean like yeah like you know we went down and met with cffc actually a couple weeks ago and and. uh you know they, they kind of want to see what we're doing and we want you know want to go down and, and check their shows out and stuff and see how they're doing it because they've been doing it forever and and mm-hmm. robert uh robert that runs cffc is just uh, he's a business genius i guess you'd say right he's very analytical and knows what he's doing so opportunities for our fighters to go to cffc or lfa absolutely like that that's step one and then if they can go to the ufc or bellator or one absolutely even better Right. But uh, no, we, we, we see CFFC is the step above what we're going to be doing. And in a way, I try to break this down for people too, because everyone in Canada understands hockey, you mm. know, we're kind of like the Q. And then if you go to CFFC,
0: that's the AHL and you go to UFC, that's the NHL kind of thing. Right. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now as a promoter, are you at all interested on the fighter management side of things or is that something you're going to stay away from?
1: You know what? I mean, it is something that interests me, but I feel like it'd be almost conflict of interest as a promoter and a manager. It's already kind of tough juggling coach and promoter and, and yeah. that as well, you know, and in yeah, I'm trying to remember if it's Nova Scotia, or New Brunswick, I'm not even allowed to corner my own fighters. Once they turn professional, oh. it's New Brunswick. Yeah. So I actually would have to step out of the corner and, and let somebody else in once they turn pro or fight them in Nova Scotia. So, yeah there is things like that too so i like and, and with management like a lot of the fighters i deal with i, I honestly have this thought I, like if i manage fighters or we manage fighters we'd make sure their medicals were done we would make sure all this stuff was happening and we just would have a kind of a little better understanding than some of these guys because like, a lot of the fighters don't even have managers first of all yeah. or if they do have a manager it's their coach or it's their buddy or whatever and then the few that actually have professional managers they've usually been pretty good at. Getting, you know, making things happen. But I, I do often think that if, you know, we manage a stable of people and just help them, <laughs> you, you could just be more organized than that. <laughs> Basically, I think it could be beneficial for some, but, uh, I, I, did, I do wonder about that conflict of interest and, uh, you know, and it's a time thing too. Like fight league takes a lot of our time. Plus, you know, I've got a family and we've got other businesses we, uh, and jobs we do as well. So, you know, our team's grown with fight league and, and, obviously you know like you mentioned turn to profits imperative like none of it happens if, if that doesn't happen yeah so yeah i don't know who knows down the road maybe that'll be a division right and and it'll be something we'll use to, to groom fighters uh for the career and, and help them with sponsorships and, and you know making sure they're licensed and medical and, and ready to go right so who knows man this guy's the limit right at this point
0: so as far as dealing with the sanctioning bodies in the East Coast there, like you said, during the pandemic, you had the Kumite competition for, for events. Was that allowed strictly because there's no striking? Was that why? Because there's no sanctioning body. Oh, okay. There, there is isn't yeah. no a sanctioning body for, for a grappling competition in the East Coast. Not
1: in Nova Scotia. So New Brunswick now has its own Jiu-Jitsu Federation. Nova Scotia is still wide open. And it always has been, um, you know, if we were doing judo or, or, you know, amateur boxing or any of these things, they have government bodies in place, but jujitsu doesn't, it's just too new. And, and uh-huh. no one's put one together. So we could do unsanctioned events basically. Right. Yeah. So, whatever you wanted. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and because there's no striking in that, it takes down the liability and things a long ways. Like you would, I mean, MMA is, is very strictly regulated and there's a battery of medicals everyone has to go through and that's all got to be renewed on certain dates and things like that because you have to, man. It's such a, you know, I hate to say it, but it's, it's a dangerous game, right? I mean, it's it's no more dangerous than hockey or football, but things can happen. We're grappling, you know, you take out the, the striking element. It, it's pretty safe. Like you don't see a lot of serious injuries. So we did that and, uh, yeah, we could do it in small venues. We had, you know, very low overhead comparative to to what we're doing now. So the no tickets wasn't a big deal, and we did pay per views and made it happen.
0: No, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah,
1: and they were killer, and like people still talk about them all the time. And
0: yeah, I could see a resurgence at some point. We'll see. Oh, for sure. I, I I've seen a lot more grappling lately. Let's say in the last year than I had for quite a few years previous. Right, he yeah, just seems absolutely. to be catching on with people. So, and as and well, I think,
1: yeah, and CFFC is doing their own thing with Fury grappling, and you know ADCC and on Fight Pass. So it's it's going to grow for sure.
0: I think I honestly, I think MMA helped jujitsu because absolutely. more more people have an at least a pedestrian idea and understanding of jujitsu and of grappling because of MMA. Whereas before it was like jujitsu, what's that? I have no idea what that is. Yeah, and they would just dismiss it.
1: You're absolutely right. And, and MMA legitimized jujitsu as well, right? I mean, my hoist came over and beat everybody and was the smallest guy in the tournament with jujitsu. Yeah. Everyone in Western, you know, in the Western world went, ah, okay. And now it's exploded. Like when I started doing this here 16 years ago, I guess it was in Nova Scotia, there was like a couple of black belts. Now there's like 80 of us.
0: So how did you get into jujitsu?
1: <laughs> I would, uh, I did a little bit of boxing in college, very small amount. And then, but a buddy of mine, he won some MMA gloves on the internet. This is such a ridiculous story, but this is legitimately how I got into <laughs> yeah, it.
0: Yeah, I want to hear that.
1: <laughs> so he had like four ounce gloves he won off the internet, and we'd watch some Pride videos, that uh, Pride fighting from Japan before they were bought by the UFC.
0: There's a danger example right there
1: yeah exactly
0: <laughs> well we will use their rules that's a good
1: idea <laughs> yeah yeah like the no rules right <laughs> so we were watching uh, the old pride dvds and that and had these mma gloves so we would fight each other in the yard and neither one of us knew anything but he had he had gone on the internet and learned i think it was a kimura and maybe like one more move right so he'd yeah. catch me with them. and then one day my brother said you know there's a place you know in wolfville that teaches that stuff and i was like seriously so my buddy was in the military he had to leave on the boat. They had to do a certain amount of time on the Navy ship. So he was gone for a couple months. I started training up with <laughs> by MMA.
0: Like secretly, <laughs> right?
1: Oh, yeah, 100% <laughs> secretly. And then the next time we uh, we fought in the yard, I knew a couple of things, right? So it ended up I got, you know, immediately with the guys in the school there. And about a year and a half later, just after I got my blue belt, I ended up buying the gym. I've been running it ever since. That was uh, 14 years ago, I think now. So yeah that that's how i got into it i had signed up so i could beat my buddy up in my yard (laughs) because we both just had no clue and sucked at fighting so and then uh yeah i ended up continuing on obviously making a career to martial arts with the gym and with you know with uh with fighting and promoting and doing tournaments and all that and he came up one time again after i'd been training for I don't know six months or something, and couldn't do anything anymore, and just never. He gave up. <laughs> we never ever sparred or anything again. <laughs> and I went on to become a black belt, and he never touched it again. So it's funny.
0: Oh, that's a funny story. <laughs> that's a good story. I can't. I can't believe you're using pry using pry as an example. Yeah. No thanks. <laughs> oh yeah,
1: well, that was that was like you know we watched like and it was you know watching tapes. It was like DVDs you bought at Zellers or whatever, right? Of like uh, Crow Cop and Shogun. And- rampaging these guys, just killing each other. So it was, it was ridiculous.
0: Okay. Now just a couple of questions about the, like the future of MMA basically. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, one of the things that stands out to me and to a lot of people now is that it wasn't that long ago where really UFC was the show, right? Mm-hmm. That, that, that was it. Now you've got Bellator to a certain extent, but what I'm really looking at is things like professional fighters league. mm mm-hmm. And to a smaller extent, you know, you've got the Bellator Grand Prix and such, where you have these ongoing tournaments that end with a million-dollar prize. Yeah, And because of that, fighters are now choosing, like certain cases, fighters are choosing those promotions over the UFC because of the potential Mm -hmm. of a a windfall, basically, where it was with the UFC, nothing's guaranteed. It's true. Yeah, absolutely. do you think that model has changed the market and will now maybe even create more promotions in a similar vein that's
1: a good question i think they've definitely changed the market because like you said like some real talent has left the ufc and gone to other promotions right yeah you know we see some serious talent now in bare knuckle like you know these these mma fighters that move over are obviously selling pay-per-views for them so they're they're making more money and then Mm -hmm. man I don't know. The Grand Prix is intriguing. Like, I always like the idea of it running the season. We just found that right now we're at a point where we don't have a stable of multi-fight sign uh, fighters. Yeah. That's something we're, like, getting into now. So, logistically, you could never really be like, that. da 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 you need to fight four times, and then this happens or whatever. That's right. But down the road, it would be something I think would be actually awesome. And we've talked about it, but then, you know, when it came down to logistics, we decided not to bother you know you take a pool of eight guys and and they all fight on a card and then the next fight there's four left and then they fight and the next card you know they fight and then it goes into a title or something like that too right but running that same that same year long season like PFL does mm-hmm. uh, i think yeah you know the massive prize money on the end, at the end of the tunnel besides the point i just like the structure of the tournament and moving your way through the year i think creates a creates an interesting storyline that could be intriguing to some people but I don't know i mean it is kind of nice to see the business be you know the the talent diversify obviously one fc is doing big things but interesting enough too a lot of these massive organizations like the ufc is like the only one making money the rest of them are losing millions of dollars you know Uh, so it's it's tv deals and deep pockets and long-term plans i'm sure that you lose x amount to gain so much market share and blah 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 and eventually it turns around to profit but yeah i don't know like we bootstrap this thing ourselves and we have no choice but to kind of grassroots, bring it up piece by piece, slowly and steady. Um, but yeah, it's a different game. So I, I wish I could be in some of those uh, board meetings and just gleaning
0: information, if you know what I mean. No, for sure. Fly on the wall, right?
1: Yeah, 100%. Right
0: now. And, and then the other thing I was going to ask us related to that is, again, because of the number of sort of high level promotions has increased, there was a time where if I watched mma on the weekend i knew every single like i knew every single ref and i knew every single judge right yeah. it was the same names all the time see now the <laughs> you have so many events going on i see judges i've heard of judges i've never heard of before i've seen referees yeah. i've never heard of before how yeah. hard is it as a smaller promotion to get people who know what they're doing in those kind of positions
1: Yeah, it's a little different where we are because the commission appoints all the referees and the judges and everyone, right? So if we're in New Brunswick, we use the referees they have trained and they like to use. And if we're in Nova Scotia, we use their referees that they like to use and that are trained. Finding experienced referees that, you know, have a deep knowledge of jiu-jitsu is a big one. That's where we see a lot of the gap because a lot of the guys are, are boxing referees that have moved over to do MMA. They've always worked with the commission. They do the boxing shows. Now they do the MMA shows because they're the refs, right? Yeah. So we have seen some of that. But now, you know, there have been a new referees developed, like, uh, you know, my good buddy Ryan Potter, I got to give a shout out to, and Eric Nevitt. These two, both, uh, well, Eric's brown, a black belt now, Ryan's a brown belt. They both fought MMA um they've both been in the gym forever they know the game inside and out. they've they've lived it right so when they're refereeing you know and obviously they they study and they train very hard as referees as well they take it very seriously but that really shows mm-hmm. when they're in there when they're when they're working like you know so yeah i mean we're we're stuck with what we get essentially and completely honest like sometimes it does cause issues and we'd like to see more, you know, we like to see all the referees be experienced. We like to see all the referees have a deep understanding of the ground game and, and everything else going on. So it's an evolving sport and it moves quickly. And I get that, but you got to keep these guys safe too. Like the referees in there for one reason and that's fighter safety. So,
0: yeah, first and foremost. Uh huh, absolutely. Yeah. I just, I wonder about that because I've, I mean, I'm telling you, I, I've seen, I've seen fights where guys were stood up and one of them was on the other guy's back. You know what I mean? Like, and the referee, oh, felt, yeah, and the referee exactly. felt like he didn't do enough, you know, like, like, like he's on Dude, his back. Yeah. He's, he's got back control. And, <laughs>
1: right? It was a long time ago, but I even had a fight and I was choking a guy out, <clears throat> but I was doing a guillotine from top half guard. So it was a little obscure, I guess, to this referee. And he said, I'm, I'm going to stand you up. Said, You're I'm like, choking I'm, 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 I'm choking out. him. <laughs> yeah. He goes, get up. We stand up. And after the fight, the other guy goes, man, when he said that, I was like, okay, I got a couple more seconds, but I was ready to tap. I was like, there you go, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, thanks for giving the warning, eh? <laughs> yeah, it
1: was ridiculous. So, anyway, it went to decision after. But <laughs> it was like just a stupid referee thing, but you see it at all levels, too. Like, I think it was Bellator a couple of weeks ago. The guy was completely unconscious, and then the guy was having his arm broken while he was unconscious, and the referee standing there just staring at him. That's right. And he even tapped, like, while he was coming in and out of consciousness at one point. <laughs> it was bonkers. Like, how would anyone have any confidence in, in going in there and not getting maimed because the referee's just oblivious to what's going on? Like, that—that that is the worst case scenario, right? And you know, we've seen, seen times too where we thought too many shots got through and this and that, yep. or the referee was just making, like, we've had referees ruin fights because of just doing stupid things. So, yeah, man, it's, it's, that's a loaded question right there. Is what that is. It's yeah, I'm not going to
0: throw anyone under the bus. I'm just saying it's, I could see it being an issue as these promotions grow, right?
1: Oh, 100%. There's Absolutely. only so like, many
0: people around to, to referee or to judge, right? It's just, there's only so many.
1: And And I will say, like, it is good the way they do it here where they'll have a referee do maybe three fights a night. Okay. So they're not going all night. When we were down in Philly, Dan Mergliata, who everybody knows, yep. legend did every fight both nights. And it was two shows Friday and Saturday. So depending on where you are, that all changes too. Right. So you may not need as many high level guys. You could have two high level guys instead of three or four to cover the fights. Right. So okay. yeah, there's all kinds of things going on. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, before I let you out of here, let everyone know where to find, I guess, both you and Derek on social media.
1: Yeah. Derek's the FLA guy. He's always at fight like Atlantic on, uh, on Instagram myself. If you want to look me up, I'm at stuff. John does J O N. Um, but, uh, yeah, Derek runs the FLA social media. Um, and we're super active on there, man. We're always producing content and, and yeah, come check us out and fight That's our website. We also have a YouTube channel. We're always posting highlights. Uh, the last card we did, FLA 8, we posted the full thing up on our YouTube
0: channel, um, Fight League Atlantic as well. So,
1: yeah, that's it. You'll find us.
0: And where can people go to find out about some of the fighters in the next next event?
1: Uh, check out our Instagram. There's all kinds of promo videos and that coming out. Um, and then fightleagueatlantic.com is our website. You can link to buying tickets and everything through there. Poster for the card and all that's on
0: there as well. And, yeah, that's what's coming up. FLA 9 right on buddy right on john good having you on buddy
1: i really appreciate it man it was a good chat you asked some great questions
0: It honestly I you don't get too often to get the checks we talk to the, the guys who run the promotions right so it's it's kind of interesting to see a little bit behind the scenes as to how things are done you know how, how it goes there and like yeah
1: man there's a lot to it there really is and and you know i mean we're i guess three years Those are yeah we'll be almost it'll be four years this summer we started this company and started building it out and and doing these shows so we've learned a lot man and it's uh quite something
0: really what's going on so it's cool no good on you buddy good on you thanks for tuning into the podcast for even more of your favorite sports content be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com on our website you will find
1: our sports blog Full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and
0: deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasts experience, where no sport is left behind.